This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Guys, just before we get started, if you're loving the podcast, can you please go leave us a five-star review on Spotify and please make sure that you subscribe on whatever channel that you listen to us on. It helps us out dramatically. Starting a business is like jumping off a cliff and assembling a plane on the way down. You, you throw yourself in the deep and you give yourself no choice because you're running off this like pure adrenaline and like you've got to make it. You've got no choice. You've got no money, you've got no income. It's You've got to make it work. You've got no choice. Effie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I um, We got there. <laughs> we got there. We got I there. know. After my disastrous <laughs> traffic run. <laughs> Richmond. <laughs> Richmond. Punt Road, peak hour, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really excited. I think um, when I, I... I always go away and do my research and, and when I'm knowing I'm going to interview someone and I really did love looking into your journey in business Um because it it hasn't been linear and it hasn't been something that's just yeah and I think uh like those kind of stories and and that's where you obviously get the 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 best lessons and 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 so on so um really excited but I'd love to to kind of hear about the the startup your startup story and and Mm kind of how you got started in business and where Mm -hmm. it all started and you know in comparison to to where it is now we can kind of share that journey with the audience yes well I started at 23 with my first label Zachary so I actually had no prior um, experience or understanding of the fashion industry. I didn't study. Um, I did, that's a lie, I did have some experience in that my family are tailors, but it's a completely different beast yeah, to yeah, yeah. what I was looking at. So I was studying photography and um, I dropped out much to my mother's dismay (laughs) and then I was studying public relations and I dropped out of that again (laughs) to my mother's dismay and then I was like I'm gonna start a fashion brand and my mum was like god (sighs) and um, from there so I went into my dad's workroom so he's a tailor um, and I just said look I want to start a brand we had no prior knowledge of how to do that sort of thing and we got started what so going back to obviously like university because I'm yeah. I'm the same like I dropped out I just couldn't I don't know I didn't like the idea of studying something that I wasn't interested in and yeah. couldn't be told what to do um, it's obviously we're kind of into an age now where it is very different like university isn't actually being seen as an absolute necessity anymore where there totally. was back then it was it like, was. You had to, and you had to make a decision. And how do you make like a a life-altering decision at 18 and know that that's what you want to do for the rest of your life? I mean, some people do, and that's amazing, but it wasn't the journey for me at all. And I think now with the, you know, the rise of like social media, there are so many opportunities for people to grow businesses and Mm. be more entrepreneurial where back then we didn't really have opportunities like that. So it was a completely different ballgame. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I think um, def- social media is definitely playing a, such a large role in that. And I, But in terms of that process of knowing that you wanted to start a business, like what was, if you can kind of think back to then, what was like the driver to doing that? Was it, was it the fact that you were passionate about something that you had an itch or was it more of, oh, I think I want to start a business and you weren't sure what kind of business it was? I think I've always been a really passionate 
person, very driven, very ambitious, yeah. and I don't like being told what to do. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, it didn't leave me with many options, but um, yeah, I think I think for me, I've I've always had that drive to be my own boss, and I know that's not for everyone, but for me, that it was just something instinctual. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I find the choice to start a business usually is that instinctual choice. Like I'm the same in terms of went to uni, dropped out, didn't know what I wanted to do, but also realized, "Mm, why am I dropping out? Yeah. And it's overwhelming, right? You you feel so lost in that, you know, like, what am I doing with my life? I've dropped out and, you know, it's, it can be really overwhelming. And then when you start a business, I think like, <laughs> that's just as overwhelming. <laughs> well, I, I heard this quote, and it's it's always stuck with me. Which starting a business is like jumping off a cliff and assembling a plane on the way down. <laughs> that's so. And true. And that always resonated with me because that's exactly what it's felt like, particularly in the early days. Because I think you know you don't have momentum, so you, you don't have clients. You know, you, you're kind of setting everything up. You know, your office, your space, like you know whatever it is, and it's like what if this doesn't work? What if I'm doing this for nothing? I'm not, I haven't had a client in like two weeks. Like, you know, what, what am I doing? You know, should I just get a job somewhere? It's safer. I've got bills. I've got this, I've got that. Like, and I, th- I think the thing is, is like, as you get further and further into business, you realize that everybody's just winging it. Totally. Like, like, you know, to a certain extent, until you build your processes, you kind of get everything into tact. But in the beginning, like if you think back to it, it's like everybody's winging it at that point. Everyone's winging Unless it. Unless it's point. like your second or third radio. But well, like I said, I had no idea how to manufacture dresses. So I was figuring that out. And that was a huge, um, I guess, part of my journey and what led me to some of the places in my journey was not, not having that knowledge and understanding. So, so now, so Zachary, the label, that was yeah. your first business. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and, and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, what it was, the, the process that you were kind of going through and. So we started, I actually started with a friend. I called upon her, she was a pattern maker and I said, Hey, can you do some work for me? I'm going to do some designs. So she sort of came in. I didn't have a big budget, obviously. And my dad was like, okay, you can work for me with my men's suits and that will pay, you know, your way, right? So that that was the deal. I was working for him and that was paying for my business costs. Um, So we started doing a couple of dresses together and then I literally was just, I would put it on, on my Instagram. And this is like you know, back in 2013, early days. days, And I probably had like 2000 followers. Like I just put one on, I had no stock, I had no nothing. And I was like, okay, if anyone wants one, it's $90, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And like slowly we built the momentum from there. But the manufacturing side of things was really interesting because what I didn't know is that stretch fabric is such a beautiful beast. And uh, it was a difficult one to navigate because without getting too technical, because uh, I know not everyone's I was going to say, I don't know what that clothes. is. But <laughs> um, basically, if you think of a stretch garment, like my top, for yep, example, yep, yep, yep. the thread has got to stretch the same amount as the fabric. Yep. If it doesn't, there's a breaking point, And that is a faulty garment. 
Okay. Right? And not a lot of machinists are experienced in that field. So they will sew with incorrect thread tension. Threads break. You got holes in your garments. You got problems. So that was a real big challenge for me early days was managing local manufacturers because we started locally, educating them when I had no idea myself um, and getting that garment to a point where it was, you know, perfect for my consumers. Wow. (laughs) And so in regards of like, so that's obviously the technical side. And I think that really talks to the fact that like when you are starting a business, there is so like, and this is again, kind of one of those points, but like, I want to like pair that with the fact that you also were working at the same time. So like, you know, can you talk about that journey? Because obviously, as it grown grew as well, you could kind of. I feel like that's always the way, in in a sense. Like especially when you're starting something with no money, no budget. Yeah. Usually, it has to be done outside of hours or late at night, early in the morning, yeah. or on the days off or on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about like I guess how you navigated that? You know, obviously working at the same time, trying to grow the business, and then obviously the business was growing and and kind of that balancing act that happened. Look, in a sense, I was lucky because I was working for family so it's not like I was working a nine to five and then doing it at night I was working and doing my stuff in the same space so if you know I'd serve a customer for my dad and then I'd go out the back and I'd do what I needed to do so I could balance in that sense but I was all the money and there wasn't much of it at the time that was sort of coming through for me was just going straight into that so I was living off nothing Nothing. yeah and that was really really hard like I was I was broke for a long long time there you know starting out and you know these are the challenges that you go through and my sister's going through something similar at the moment where she's like do I keep working in this field or do I I leap because this is my dream but I'm so busy working and I was like Rubes you've got to be in the deep end if you're gonna yeah swim yeah sink or swim but you know you you throw yourself in the deep end you give yourself no choice and I think that, you know, I don't know. I mean, everybody's different. But for me, that was because you're running off this like pure adrenaline and like you've got to make it. You've got no choice. You've got no money. You've got no income. It's You've got to make it work. You've got no choice. I think it comes at some point for everybody. Yeah. Like, you know, like naturally, if that's the way your business has started, there hasn't been any investment or anything like that and you're building yeah. it, at some point it has to come. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to we'll, we'll keep going and, and kind of going through that process. So... Um, Zachary, the label. So you were, you were building that. Yes. Um, and what kind of happened from there? Uh, so whilst navigating those production sort of issues, um, I was approached by someone who sort of positioned themselves as someone that could help me on the provision that I give them 50% of my business at no buy-in and at that time we were making a couple mil a year so you give someone a business that's turning over that kind of money no buy-in at 50% I was desperate because I needed the help and I I didn't trust that I could navigate through it myself so I sort of you know put myself in the hands of someone else and um that crashed and burned. <laughs> so, with, uh, so like, what were some of the biggest lessons for you during that time? Because that would have been, look, it would have been a very difficult time for you. It was. And, and I could imagine how that would 
like just it's a lot of pressure. It and, was a lot of and pressure. And just your baby, like, you know, it's it I would think, be very difficult. I think how did I navigate it at that time? Uh, not well. Yeah. It was really hard. I was really young. I didn't have a lot of um, experience with these kinds of things. And I think when it's your baby, you're very emotionally connected to it. So I, I, I put up with a lot that I shouldn't have put up with. And I held on for a lot longer than I should have when I should have removed myself from this situation earlier because I could see what was coming, mm-hmm. but I was sort of blinded by hope that there would be some kind of savior or a resolution or and the reality is there's there's no savior in solutions like that and I couldn't see beyond that situation like what what is there for me outside of Zachary there's nothing I'll be like destitute you know what I mean I'll have no business no money this there's got it's gonna work out it has to but um what are the lessons out of that though? So for you, like, like, cause I would imagine there would be a lot of. I think the biggest lesson for me through that period was I got myself in that situation because I didn't believe in myself and I ignored my gut instinct because I thought I didn't know. And because I didn't have that technical background in fashion and because I was young and vulnerable, it was my first sort of, you know, experience in the business world. I didn't trust my own inner voice. I knew, I kind of, I always knew deep down, like things would happen, like, you know, my business partner was so hell bent on opening all these stores. And I was like, I don't think that this is the right thing to do for our business. I don't think that certain areas are our demographic. I can't see them performing. And I was shut down every time I sort of voiced up. And rather than continue to push back and say, hey, I'm 50% here, you know, I'm putting my foot down. I I don't agree with us Mm. doing this. I didn't. And I, I let things happen like that, that I should have been tougher on. So for me... Coming out of that as someone who was really vulnerable and then going through an extreme amount of loss and, you know, grieving, I just, it's like, I can't explain, it's like this fire was ignited in me after that and I I had these feelings about where I should go next and I think hitting rock bottom and I really did hit rock bottom in that, that process after the business. I really did soul search and I read this book. I've referenced this in a couple of podcasts. Um, It's called How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can. And basically what it asks you to do is to write down what is preventing you from living your truest, deepest light, right? And you've got to be really real with yourself. So, you know, I was writing things like, I don't trust my inner voice enough and I have put myself in situations that have made me vulnerable because I didn't believe in myself and stuff like that, you know. And I remember that day just writing everything out and it was so confronting to see it on paper and I've never cried so much. But in that period of solitude, I think there were about five months where I was in between businesses, I was home every day. There were things going on with obviously lawyers and all that kind of stuff. I basically spent that time pacing up and down the backyard in my bathroom. How, how old were you when this was going on? I was 27. Wow. Yeah, it was it was really hard. But it in those moments of solitude and um, really sitting in the darkness was where I realized exactly where I had gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And... 
I come out of that experience uh, like I sort of I knew where I I thought I should go and I was like I'm not ever ignoring my gut instinct again I'm going for it and that's when I started my next venture and that is where ultimately I I found the courage in myself to listen to the voice within what do you think it is in and I mean you can talk from the experience that why people don't trust their instincts or why you know it's going to be different for everyone but even just from a business perspective like fear and I I I come out of that experience and I now when I'm faced with a decision I always think about the decision that I'm making and I ask myself am I making this decision out of fear or am I making this decision because it serves my highest purpose Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll catch myself making a decision out of fear and I'll stop myself at that point. But it's that moment of consideration that I think takes that insight that, you know, some people can't identify. I couldn't identify until I'd gone through that experience. Fear in business, you know, fear in any circumstance, but fear in business can be so overwhelming that you you make decisions that go against your better judgment because you're so scared. And you, you you bring those thoughts to yourself. Of course. Right? Like you, you manifest and you them. kind of spiral in these like, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I lose? You know, after I lost everything, like rock bottom was a beautiful place because I could not go any lower than I was. I'd lost everything, all my savings, you know, I was being sued like, <laughs> I can't tell you what I went through. Yeah. Um, but I'd lost it all. The worst had happened. It was in the papers. Everyone knew. Like... What could, what could be worse than that, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's a really rough time. Yeah, it rough, but I, I look back on it fondly, which oh. is really strange. Well, I mean, and, and that's a good lesson, right? Because it's usually those... T- like, I can look back at um, a really rough time in my life and say, mm. well, that made me. It, ma- it does. Yeah. It makes you. And, like, touch wood, but, like, it's <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, if I can get through that, then... Totally. I'm, I'm much more confident in my ability to get through anything from here. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, you often can reflect in those moments and be like, well, where I am now and, and there, like, I'm, I'm so great. And it, you, you also, I think that's where you can, you know, gratitude's born in those moments. Absolutely. Right? So Gratitude, humility, strength and character all come out of these tough life experiences that Obviously, you know, you don't want to go through, but I think in some instances they're necessary. Oh, 100%. And it's made me a tougher businesswoman. Like, I do not take shit now. Yeah. Am I allowed to say (laughs) shit on you? Yeah, 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 100%. (laughs) Um, And so then the new ventures and and the new businesses. Mm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about them and and kind of, I guess, the the mentality going into them? Because I'd love to hear about that. Obviously, you've talked about rock bottom. Mm learning so much about yourself what was it like the moment when you decided to go no I'm going to get back into this I'm going to go I'm going to go so again. I think when everything sort of cleared because obviously I was quite consumed with what was happening legally and all of that um, with the administration of the business so once that was cleared I sort of in the weeks after that I just you get that tingle you know? <laughs> I was like okay I feel like there's a gap in the market here for women's suits. So my mum's a lawyer 
And she would always say to me, like, I cannot find, you know, well-fitting suits or custom-made suits that are incredibly priced. And as you know, my family are tailors. Yeah. And they only did men's. And at that time, I was seeing a lot of coloured suits on the runways overseas and no one was doing it here. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. This, this, is, this is what we got to do. This is where we need to go. So I, again, went into the workroom and I was like, okay, we've learned our lesson. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're going next. Cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was it. Were the conversations then, like, so, so you know, you, you said you went into the workroom and you're obviously having that conversation. Is that with your family? With my family. So we, obviously they went through the journey of the first um, business with me. Working with family is tough. And I've learned a lot of lessons through that. Um, but ultimately, what I did learn is that your family's always going to be there for you, no matter how much you fight and how hard <laughs> it can get. So for anyone that works in a family business, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but everyone was on board and they were like, let's, let's do this. My next challenge was going to be, okay, how do I fit a women's suit because I've got no idea about that Um, and also how do I get my staff to manufacture a woman's suit and and get the blocks and the fit right so when I started out our tailors like they make men's jackets and pants so they weren't allowing enough room in the bust for you know I mean women have a curve we've got we've got a bust men don't Um, and our pants you know, we don't need the extra room. So, <laughs> yeah, those pairs need to yeah. be recut. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it was training them, um, you know, to, uh, you know, make the blocks and, and just change the way that they produce things. So, that was my next, um, that was my next challenge. Um, but we navigated through that pretty easily. And then a couple of months later, base was born as well. So uh, that was a friend of mine who was incredibly supportive through the period of the whole Zachary administration and, and journey um, was like, you know, those ribbed basics that you guys used to sell, they would always sell out. And he knew that, one, it was a really strong seller and two, that we had some stock that was not paid for with a factory that we had overseas. So he was like, let's buy that stock. Let's let's start a business model around those ribbed basics. And I was kind of like, look, I've been through a lot. Like, this is a lot right now. You know, I don't, I don't know if I can take it all on. But he was very persuasive and I'm, I'm eternally grateful that he was because we're here now. And um, that's, that's been a whole other journey that's been incredible. So, so it seems like, like I think, obviously, successful businesses are built on customer needs. Yeah. I'd love to know, like, is that something that come natural to you or how do you think about the market? Yeah. Like, when you're kind of going through this process of going, well, we've got to develop a product or you get an idea for a product, what's the process you take it through to say, okay, we're going to go through with this or we're not going to go through with this? I think the thing is, for me, it's like I've always been my own consumer. So, I, I like... When I started Zachary, I could never find... So, at the time, there were only brands like Cook Eye, which was really basic, really simple, and like Manning Cartel, which was like really expensive and unaffordable. So, I could afford Cook Eye, but I wanted Manning Cartel. And I was like, okay, I've got to give people an in-between here. I saw a niche. And I think that's the thing is you've got to identify 
a niche. Um, and for me, I guess I've got a pretty solid understanding of how girls want to look and feel. And I've never wanted to be that brand that is so overpriced that they can't afford to look how they want, you know, to look and, and feel. Um, and I, I couldn't afford to as a uni student. So that's what I wanted to give my consumer. I love it. I think, I think, um, I mean, there's the entrepreneurial instinct in you that can kind of see these needs and then really go after them. Yeah. But I think the idea of understanding the customer yeah. and, and then looking at what their need what is. What do they need? What are you giving them that's different? What are you giving them that they can't get somewhere else? That's a great way to put it. So um, I'd love to like, I mean, apart from the obvious with the contrast between the first time in business and the second time, mm. like was there things that you were picking up the second time around where you were, you were able to say go a bit quicker or, or you were doing things a little bit differently um, that helped kind of, you know, accelerate the process or at least build a really good foundation? Look, I think the thing was I built the framework with Zachary and I knew how it worked with social media. What I did identify, social media is key in selling women's clothes in, in my perspective for my demographic and what I was seeing when we had Zachary was that we had this huge page we had 270 odd thousand followers but we weren't getting incredible interaction and then I was looking at influencers pages that had the same amount of followers or even less and they were getting incredible interaction so I was like okay taking my experience with that page and looking at what's happening on influencers pages how can I fuse the two and basically fast track this and create like this engagement on social media that a brand doesn't get. And that's why I call the brand Effie Cats. And I think giving the brand my personal identity has helped fast track the business so much quicker because people connect, people connect to a why. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people really connected with my why and that helped us um, to build that business from a social media perspective. And that, that was incredible. And obviously, having extensive um, experience, making every mistake under the sun with manufacturing, <laughs> that, that helped not make those mistakes. So with the two, having the social media experience and knowledge and then having that more solid understanding of manufacturing, I could just bypass all the issues that I had and teething problems that I had the first time around. Social media is such a, it's such a beast, but I think yeah. it's also something that, like I'd, I'd love for you to touch on your perspective of it and how do you utilize it and how do you use it? Like, cause that, that's a, that's a massive pain point for a lot of business owners trying to work through that, trying to understand it. Well, I think it goes back to what are you giving people that's different people? I mean, you, you know, you see like you see a lot of, for example, beauty brands that will, They'll do a photo shoot with a model and they're posting, you know, she's got beautiful skin, you know, or products smeared on her face and there's photos of bottles and whatever. But how many pages are there out there like that? So what is your page offering people that's different? Mm. And I think with me, one, it's solving a need. They want to buy dresses that make them feel amazing and they know I'm giving it to them. Two, I'm... Oh, I've just lost my train of thought. Oh, so they're connecting with me personally. And I think, again, it goes back to that why. They want to connect with a person. They want to connect with a journey. So that, I think, is a killer combination. And then I think the other thing is as well, 
understanding and really looking at like I just drew on that example of like beauty pages, right? They're great, stunning images, really professional, but why aren't people engaging in them? And if they're not engaging in that, then what are the sorts of images that people are engaging with? I do that all the time. And I look at other brands, other influencers, and I look at the, the things that have the most interaction um, and the, you know, the little sort of tips and tricks that people use to engage people. So like one of them recently for me is, and this went viral. So I, I posted five outfits. So it was a carousel post. And I was like, one, two, three, four, or five. Like, which look is your fave? I got a million impressions on it. Wow. 24,000 likes, 11,000 saves, 200 and something comments. People love that kind of stuff. And I think bringing them sort of on that journey and, and having them give their input as well is people love that because they feel like they're a part of something. Guys, if you're loving this episode, make sure to take a screenshot, give us a tag, or even take a photo if you're watching it. Help spread the love, it helps us out dramatically. Guys, I just wanna say a massive shout out to our major sponsors, BizCover. We are getting some amazing guests on right now. We're traveling, we wanna to continue to travel, and we wanna to continue to grow the podcast. And the reality is we can't do that without sponsors powering the podcast. And right now we have BizCover on, they're an amazing company, uh, and they're powering the podcast, so we wanna support them. But more importantly, business insurance. It's something that I had no idea I had to have in the early days. And I'm very lucky that I had someone tell me, you actually need to go get insured because things like professional indemnity insurance and public liability insurance, you just never know when you're gonna need those. Uh, and more importantly, it's really costly if something goes wrong or if you get sued or something of that nature and you don't have insurance uh, and, and that's what it protects you from. And you never know, one day it could save your business from going under or putting your business back in a time where you are growing in and you are making an impact. Uh, so BizCover, the link is in the show notes. Um, they will, you know, the, the, the great thing about it is there's no um, paperwork in, involved and you can get insured in less than 10 minutes. So the link is in the show notes, BizCover, go check them out, get yourself a good deal. I think it talks to like, even even if it's not a personal brand, that like a brand has to have a personality. Yeah. Like, I think that's what I'm getting from what you're saying. And, and it makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, I think about like Frank Body, you know, like, yes. like what they did in the early days with their, like their product and gave it a personality. And I think, I mean, you're obviously a very creative person and, and you know, I, I would actually say I'm the opposite. I'm very analytical. And, yeah, well, and yeah, I'm, you're like my partner, you know, I yeah. think you're one side or the other. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But I think it, I think it's a really like I can understand that, you know what I mean? So yeah. for like for people out there that maybe are struggling with social media, I think the idea of creating a personality for your brand and then the, I, I think I, looking at research, like we're a yeah. content business now, so I think I'm getting a little bit better. I'm nowhere yeah. near these guys, but I think the idea of like looking what is actually working totally. and, and you'd be amazed at like what can happen if you just go and look at what's actually working yeah. and try to give your for own other spin people, on it. I mean, the examples are all there. You've just got to do your research. And I think even for us, like with BASE, obviously BASE isn't my personal identity. It's a, it's a separate entity. Um, and, the, you know, there was a bit of trial and error there of, you know, what sort of images interact, you know, what do people interact with most? You know, what's getting the most likes? And then you test and you see and you go, okay, that worked really well. We need to do more of that. That's literally social media 101. And I think that's the biggest thing that holds people back. Yeah. Like not putting stuff out. You need like so much feedback. Yeah. You need to be posting totally. so much just so that you can see, okay, well, this worked, that didn't work. 
and then you can kind of you, you really do pick up how quick it can happen yeah absolutely so how do you get a clothing business off the ground like what is the actual process involved with that because i found like i mean we've talked about a lot of your journey and so on but i think the nitty-gritty is the interesting part for the for the listeners and for me at home is like and 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 my belief is is that everybody looks at business in a unique way there's these kind of overarching principles that exist Mm -hmm. of how you do it um and obviously in different industries as well but but in your view like how does it how do you make it work like how do you get it off the ground oh, is it social you know you're obviously social media that is orientated. extremely important yep so that's well that's one factor and then you've got the other factor of manufacturing garments and i think i guess for anyone who's studied they've got a understanding of how to construct a garment how to create patterns and then i guess you you send off your garment overseas or you give them to a local manufacturer with their patterns it's Local manufacturing and overseas manufacturing is two completely different processes. So for base brand, we create tech packs and we send those off. They've got their specs and they go off their specs. For us here, we create a pattern. We grade that pattern. Um, We invested uh, a year or so ago in a Gerber machine. So that does the plotting of the pattern. Oh yeah. We've got a cutter who comes in. We lay the fabric. He cuts it and then we give it to our manufacturers that are local um so you're doing that here yeah here in australia okay so you're doing that here and then sending it off rather than relying on say the manufacturer to to To, come back and it's almost like instead of sampling well you you've got it's it's more of a like it's a it's a more hands-on approach so my pattern maker will make a sample we'll fit it back and forth sometimes maybe four or five times till we're happy with the fit then she creates the pattern grades the pattern plots it you know we lay the fabric it gets cut it gets given to the manufacturer they make one we approve it or we send it back and we say change this or you know you got to do yeah. this or that whatever uh and then it comes you know the production comes to us and we There's ship it out so <laughs> you know and yeah. then you know you got shopify you got all of that so i mean it's a huge process and if you don't love it don't do it yeah. <laughs> It, yeah. What about like logistically, right? So, so I know that like in the early days, getting something off the ground like that, it's it's not like you can just go out and get uh, so much quantity, and and you kind of do have to manage cash flow, and you have yeah. to manage production, and 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 the kind of logistical side of it. Yeah. What was what are the biggest kind of lessons that you've learned along the journey, or the I guess your guiding principles of like okay, from the very beginning onwards, you kind of without obviously it doesn't have to be super detailed, but like the how do you logistically get something like this off the ground flowing through that? I think you've got to mitigate your risks. And when you're making clothes, I mean, ultimately the consumer has to buy it. So you're not in control in that regard. But what you can control is your expenses. So local production requires smaller minimums. So you can produce a run of, I don't know, 20. See how that garment goes. If it sells out, you just say, guys, sold out, you reproduce it. You know what I mean? And, and that way, you know, you're not making like 100, 200 garments that you're going to be stuck with. Um, and you've got to outlay, outline all of your your costs and make sure you're really clear with everyone that you're dealing with from your pattern maker to your manufacturers, do all your costings. And I think you know, for me, I'm not a numbers person by nature. So spreadsheets really help. Um, and that can help you manage your cash 
cash flow. And I think you've got to always consider what is the worst case scenario? What if I only sell this amount? What if I don't sell any at all? And not putting yourself in a position where, you know, you can topple over. And and that is what happened with Zachary in the end was we opened all these stores and there wasn't enough money to fund enough stock for all those stores. So we were taking the same amount of stock that we had for two stores across six stores. So essentially we're spreading our profits and we're bumping up our overheads. And to me, I don't know, that was, you know, business 101. Um, But these are the lessons that you learn. Mitigating, I think mitigating your risk is the biggest thing to consider when you're starting out in particular, but always throughout business. And that, that's really interesting. So you've obviously got a lot of experience in kind of growing a business at all different yeah. phases. So what about the phase, what about when you, you know, when we move beyond just starting up and we kind of get to that point where it's like, cause I, I feel like there would be a crossroads, right? There's kind of like that in between bit and, yeah. and maybe that's where you guys got stuck with Zachary. And, and so you going through that again, like what is, you know, uh, what does that crossroads kind of look and feel like? And, and, then how do you navigate through that? Well, more importantly, like what have you done differently and and what's been the the difference? Well, my one thing was bricks and mortar is so risky in Australia and it was not a road I ever wanted to go down because you're, you know, you're relying on foot traffic, you're relying on staff, you've got shop fit outs, you've got rent, you got all of that kind of stuff. So I was like, great, we're never doing that again. Because the money that I would spend on that, I can take that and put that into digital marketing. And that's going to give me like a return of tenfold. So it just, it didn't make sense to me to ever go down that road again. And I wouldn't. Um, And I think for us, we came to a, a sort of crossroads where, you know, the business started to really take off and things were selling out really quickly. And then we needed to do a next production run and we were like, okay, if we keep the numbers the same, then we're going to have the same result. We're going to be selling out and we're not, we're not going to grow. So you've got to invest to grow. So we, we took a punt, we upped our stock levels and it paid off. And from there we grew more and more and more. So that was, you know, for me, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it. I, I think it's really interesting, uh, and I'd also love to get a gauge of like what's actually changing in the market that you're noticing. Because obviously, COVID would have been a mm. a whirlwind, and and it's a it was a very different time, um, and and obviously, e-commerce would have, you know, there was a big on online huge. was huge, huge. What's the the consensus kind of coming out of 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 COVID, and are you noticing any changes? Uh, you know, are you, like what's your thoughts on 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 the kind of look? I think the thing is what what I've personally experienced, and I don't know if it's just my brands, but people are buying and they're spending more than ever. The space where I can say I have seen the most change is in social media. The algorithms changed. It's a lot more difficult to, you know get out there the way you used to, you know, people aren't following as much, you know, the algorithm pushes you down. If people aren't interacting in your posts in the first couple of seconds, you get dropped down more and more. It's not as organic as it used to be. Um, So I think definitely um, investing your money in different avenues online is really important now as things have changed. And also influencers, like 
we we used to have a much stronger response with influencer placements that we're not having anymore because of those changes in the algorithms. So we've had to shift and pivot our strategy. Like, for example, you know, we would give to influencers that had hundreds of thousands of followers because when it was more organic, we were reaching such a big audience. Yep. Where now we're finding micro-influencers are having a much, you know, much bigger impact and much bigger interaction than, you know, your influencers that have hundreds of thousands of followers, which is, you know, really interesting. And that's sort of come as, you know, as we've come out of COVID. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, I think. And are you putting that down to the algorithm changing? Are you putting that down to, I mean, obviously it's because of the algorithm changing, but are you, and then the micro-influencers, why do you think they're performing well? Like, is it because they're kind of, they're the ones trying the new things and really investing in, say, building their audience or... I'm not sure, you know. I don't know if it's if it's an algorithm thing or, you know, if it's if you're under a certain threshold, Instagram throws you a bone and <laughs> yeah, you, you can yeah, reach yeah, some yeah. more people. Um, yeah. Not sure, we yeah. We need to look into that one. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 we're noticing it too. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting one. But um, so you're obviously, again, you're a really creative person. I'd love to know, obviously in the beginning you do everything and then yes. as things start to grow like Delicate. how are you positioning yourself in the business you know um are you because i know like some companies if you're a creative mm -hmm. you you'll spend more time doing all the creative stuff mm -hmm. and then you might bring other people in for the more analytical totally. roles or you know some people prefer to bring in ceos and, and so on i'd love to kind of hear how your role has changed throughout your journey and you know how is it situated now compared to you know in, in say year one, two and, and so on. I think you have to wear a lot of hats when you're running a business and then as it's growing, that gets overwhelming. And I think it was Steve Jobs, I think it was Steve Jobs that said that he hires people who are smarter than him. And so for us, as the business has grown and we've been able to afford to bring people into our team, I've identified the key areas where we need that staff and people that are incredible you know, in those roles. So now, for example, for base, um, as much as I can shoot content, I can, but designing now when we're, you know, making so much more product and things are moving a lot faster and doing social media and then, you know, shooting all the content, it's, it's all a lot when both brands are so demanding. So I've found the most incredible social media girl and she is shooting our content. We now have a marketing manager who's, you know, she's done a marketing schedule and she liaises directly with our, um, the company that does all our digital marketing. So she's got a marketing calendar that she provides them and every week she is giving them the imagery that they need um, and liaising with me and saying, hey, this is what I need this week to give you know, the agency, I need video, I need, you know, um, stills, I need all of that. And then I'll work in between her and our, um, you know, social media girl who's creating our content to make all that work. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a whole operation. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> and so, yeah, 100%. So getting people around you yeah. um, that, that are obviously really good at that, the jobs you're doing. Are you noticing or have you noticed that with your businesses, there's certain roles that always come before others? So, like, because as you're growing, obviously the demand of your business. So is it, is it something that you're like, you're, you know, that marketing is the first thing that you're outsourcing or is it? No. No? No. Our first thing was to hire an operations manager. Really? So we hired an operations manager and she is incredible. I think uh, her name is Kate. 
and she has the qualities that um, both my business partner and I, like we, we possess, you know, certain elements of what she's got, but her sole focus is on these little things that we can't do. So she took our website, she's optimized it. She has streamlined, you know, she's gotten involved in the production process, streamlined the way that works. And, you know, she's sort of, you know, um, the one that was like, okay, now we need a marketing manager. Now we need, you know, social media and worked with me on, okay, what are the things that we need? How can we implement them? And, you know, just help me. I think when you're a business owner, you can get quite overwhelmed and having that person there that can look at it from a non-emotional objective perspective, um, is the most important thing. And especially in what you guys do, like it's such totally. an operational, totally. operationally heavy beast. Yeah. You know, like it is, it is especially, and, yeah. and as you're growing, like I feel like a lot of the mistakes would come on the operation yeah. side rather than the marketing Absolutely. side. Absolutely. And I've always, ident- I've always known and been able to identify the things that we needed, but having that person there beside me to bounce these idea off, ideas off, again, like from a non-emotional perspective, um, has been the most incredible. Was that an earlier hire than say what, so did you do that in your previous business or is this one kind of, you did it a little bit differently and you're like. differently, yeah. Wow. Because before it was myself and my business partner. Yeah, and so now you're kind of, you've got this operations manager and that's really interesting. Mm. I I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Look, it does. And, you know, you you get overwhelmed as a business owner. um, And so having that person whose objective is the most invaluable thing. Structure is key. Structure and foundation to a business is key. You've got to have your foundations right and solid. Otherwise, you know, you're going to sink. What what does that mean? So when you talk about like say a st- structure and foundation, what in your eyes when you talk about structure and foundation for your business? Because uh, that could be so much. It could be anything, right? But but what does that mean for you guys? Like, are you talking about? Um, well, it, it's structure to the various aspects of the business. So we're talking about structure around our product production, structure around our social media, structure around our digital marketing, and having the foundations and the blueprint essentially laid for each one and and also you know managing cash flow as well and all of that kind of stuff i mean that's that's all foundational stuff timelines Timelines. and and the 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 relationship between timeline cash flow production absolutely i think that's one thing that like when you've done business a few like you've had a few businesses or you've been in business for a while you you I mean, you you kind of just have to scramble at the start to do. do anything. But once you get in there, like how, like I can't stress how important that is. And I, I think that's really, that uh, when you said foundations, I was yeah. kind of like, I, I, I think that's what you meant. But mm. uh, the idea of just getting those, those things in order and really planning everything out and getting ahead. I, like I'd imagine in what you do, being able to be ahead yeah. of time would be just so important. Look, it is. And I think the thing is for me, as things have started to move so fast, I still need to remain creative. And for me to remain creative, I can't be too overwhelmed with all of this sort of stuff. So having that person that can take that pressure off me so that I can be creative and do my job. Essentially, first and foremost, I'm the designer yeah. and creative director. So I need to have a clear vision on you know, what are the designs? Um, what is the social media sort of strategy? How do we want to present? How do we want our brand to, you know, present? And that has been the biggest thing. Yeah, I could imagine, especially being a creative person. Totally. Like being able to bring those people in that just allow you to do what you're really good at um, is something that would just be so valuable. 
how do you manage your time though? Because because that's a totally different ball game now. Because you're running two brands, and I would imagine that you're getting pulled in so many different directions. Like, what are some of the things that you do to stay um, efficient and 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 keep on top of things? My biggest thing is making lists. I know it sounds so simple, but just making a list because things get thrown at me all the time. You know, I'll get an email, I'll get a message. Um, that I can't attend to in that moment. So I'll make a list, I'll put it on my list and then I go over my list every day and just make sure that I've gotten through everything that I had to get through. It's super yeah. simple, but it it's is, a bit, it uh, is. If you see yeah. my uh, if you see my phone right now, I've got like a notes yes. section yeah. of the, oh, the notes. different section or the different brands and just okay, this, 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 yeah. this, this, this for that, this, this, because this for that. Because it gets overwhelming and then you sort of get flustered and you're like, Oh my god, I had to do that and I had to do this and I had to do that. Um, so making a list to me was yeah, the simplest and most effective way to get on top of that. Yeah, definitely. Especially running two brands. I could imagine that yeah. they would get pretty long at, at times. Thank you. Um, awesome. So the last part of the podcast mm-hmm. is quick fire. And so we use these. I have to always preface this because it's not quick fire. Like it's not like you're on a time span. We people, Some people joke and say it's slow fire. Mm-hmm. But... Um, they're just kind of broad questions and um, you can answer them in any way that you like. You don't have to stop speaking. I have to do, I do have to press that because some people are like, some people will say like three words. And yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, okay. Um, so the first one is one piece of advice for your younger self. Trust your gut. There's three words. Trust your gut. <laughs> um, no, but really trust your gut. Uh, I think, yeah, that, that has been... Um, the number one contributing factor to my success is following my gut instinct. And every time I deviated from that was when I fell flat on my face. So trust your gut. So there's like, so, so obviously you've learned that and, and from your experiences, but, and then there's also like people that can turn, like a lot of people say that some, you know, your gut's not always right. No, it is. Full stop. Yeah. My gut has never led me down the wrong path, ever. Not once. Do you think it's a confidence thing? So, so like, obviously, the confidence to, to actually trust your gut? It's removing fear. And again, if I'm, if I, let's just say my gut's saying something and, and I might question it, I ask myself that question of, am I making this decision based on fear or am I basing this decision on fact that it's serving my highest purpose or my business's highest purpose and then that's what gives me the clarity to sort of navigate one way or the other i really love that that's yeah. so, the super valuable yeah a great question to ask yourself yeah. at all times yes. as well yes always in every aspect of life i think it's yeah. applicable um so what advice would you give to someone who's just thinking of starting a business <sighs> what advice what advice would you give to someone who's just starting in business be resilient and I think the thing is weathering the storm or, and the storm can come in so many uh, different ways you know whether it's um, financial pressure you know you're not busy or you know um, just loss of like motivation or hope it's weathering the storm there's so many times where I was literally in the bathroom in the fetal position crying thinking like this is it this this is it I'm done now and pushing through those moments and I actually remember I think it was a production issue that we had it was a really big one and I I was just like 
I was so overcome with anxiety and I, I was like, I think this is it. And I remember thinking in my head, push through this because this is where greatness is born. And I did. And I'm here. So <laughs> that, that, that is the biggest piece of advice that I can. It's in those moments where everything is overwhelming, every, everything seems fucked, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You learn Push so through much because yourself. that's where greatness is born, you know. And often it's it's not the people that are you know the most brilliant or the smartest or you know whatever. It's the people that persevere, the people that actually believe enough in themselves to keep going, that make it. I think it was Bruce Jenner. I was actually saying I was having this conversation today, Caitlin. Um, I watched the the documentary, um, and Caitlin was saying that when she was competing and her competitor, I think it was a Russian guy, I can't remember his name for the life of me, Um, but that competitor was so much better than her and she was like, I worked day and night, I trained, I trained, I trained, I had my goals set and she, she, because her mind was so focused on being the best, she became the best. Not because she physically was better. She wasn't. Mm. She trained that hard and she had her mind so intent on being the best that she became the best. And, think, and that's incredible to me. Oh, 100%. And I think it, I mean, especially business. Business is the great teacher. Yeah. Like, you know, um, it'll, it'll kind of give you the lessons that you need yeah. based on your actions. But I think drawing that that inspiration in those moments totally and i think i'm so like i've got to be the best like you know i'm i've if i do something i want to do it to the absolute optimum but for me it's learning that okay maybe when you start out you're not or when you first try something you're not but it's that perseverance and it's that knowledge through that process that makes you better and better and better each time and helps you reach and achieve those goals and and the more you learn that that, that you know those tough times yeah like weathering the storm, I yeah. think, is learning what you just said. Yeah. So that in those moments when they're tough, they become a little bit easier every time. Absolutely. And you get a little bit more confidence that, hey, I can do this. And you know, I reckon business is like, you're going to get knocked down so many times. So many times. Just, <laughs> so many just times. like last. Just, yeah. just get through it. Just ha- yeah. Just weather the storm. And again, like some of those moments like really, really low, scary moments, like really dark, overwhelming, mm. like anxiety. I, I, I do, I look back at it fondly because it made me who I am today. It made me the businesswoman that I am. And without them, I wouldn't have the resilience and the strength and the courage to have gotten to this point. So it's don't be afraid of that. Lean into it. I love it. So what's some, this is kind of like, we might have the same answer, we might not. If we do, that's fine. Um, What's the most important trait that a founder must have for success and why? Yeah, I think resilience. Resilience? Yeah, definitely resilience. Love it, love it, that's right. Okay, and then so what's one piece of advice you would... Also, sorry, I will say one thing. Um, I think a lack of ego is, I have seen so many people in business let their ego... um, cloud their judgment because they've got to know better or they don't listen to someone who's working below them or you know and they're making decisions based on ego and not actually from a a perspective of this is what's 
what's best. Then they're not seeing their cloud. Their judgment is clouded by their ego, and that is something that I witnessed working for other people, and that is something that I witnessed working with people. And I always promised myself that I would never let my ego cloud my judgment because you lose. And I think as a business owner, someone who's really successful, you've got to be able to remove ego to make decisions that are sound for your business. Yeah, I think great leadership is the ability to, to um, you know, great leaders don't have ego. Yeah. They, they, they actually, um, or they can, they can, uh, they can under- remove their, per- like, yeah. Yeah, they understand it when, like, everyone You've got has confidence. an ego. Yeah, 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 right? Everyone it, has an ego, yeah. and, and I think it plays its part in some instances, but I think understanding how to utilize it and more importantly, when it's there yeah, is like right. so important. One piece of advice. So what, so what advice do you have for women in business? I think it's the same as for anyone in business. Uh, everything that I sort of touched on about, um, you know, resilience um, and I guess you know, courage, what else did I touch on? So many things. Um, but it's the same for me, that it, for women, that it would be for anyone in business. Is that an important message? Like, because, I mean, where that question comes from is, you know, and this is my belief, is yeah. that there's more women coming into business now and yeah. there's a reason that they weren't yes. previously and, and yes. we, we shouldn't shy away from that. But... Is the, is the advice that it's no different and that's how we should treat it? Like, what is the advice? I think that's how we should treat it. And I think, I mean, sometimes in society, that's, that's not the case. And I think for me as a young woman in business, I did, I, I did have men around me that had very loud voices and I allow, I, I shrank myself for them, um, not for, for them, but I guess you can become um, intimidated. And I think the important thing is to believe in yourself and not shrink yourself for anyone because we're powerful. That's great advice. I think, um, I mean, it's something that we've had some really great conversations on this um, show about with, mm-hmm. with some amazing women. So, um, I, I don't know if you know. So, do you know Al Roseby? She's yeah. the managing director at Country Road. Ah. So, she actually mentioned your Effie Cats on... Did she? She's like... We, we were kind of talking about brands and she actually yeah. said, oh, like Effie Cats, I just love what she does. Oh. I love her. Oh, I love her clothes. And she... she but, you know, well, we've talked about that topic with, with her and it's something that... Um, I think it's just important. I think... I'm interesting to hear what her perspective was on it. Uh she said her, her perspective was for, for, for women to actually be kind to one another um, yeah. and, and band together. Um, and it was, and I think it is because there's no doubt in my mind that it still exists in, in corporate worlds, in yeah. just business in general. Yeah, like we've, absolutely. we've had um, Danielle's artwork. I don't, yes. Danielle, Danielle yes. uh, yep. Weber. So she's, she's a couple of um, factors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah. but, you know, like she experiences it when she goes onto work sites to do, thing you know like oh, yeah, totally. men just not respecting yeah, yeah, her yeah. for for her loud voices and, and what but i just think you know there's a lot of fragile egos out there and um i'm not here to play into that i'm here to do business 
yeah. And know? but I think it's good advice yeah. to to get that out there. Well, it's 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 not easy to I guess come to this point. And and like I said, there were instances in my early days where I was intimidated. Um, but I don't feel that way anymore after all my experiences. And I think, you know, I wish I had learnt it sooner, but I wouldn't change anything about my journey. I love it. Mm. Effie, I want to say a massive thank you for coming on the show. Um, you're amazing. I think you are a leader in the way you, you talk and the way you carry yourself and obviously you. with your businesses as well. And, and so... Um, I hope everyone gets inspiration out of this. You know, I think, uh, I also think the fact that you've, you went through a really tough period with your first business yeah. and the fact that you're, you know, not only doing, not only doing it, but doing it successfully and, and kind of jumping back in the ring is um, inspirational for people. And I think there, there should, there's a lot of great lessons there in terms of, hey, you know, you can, you can pick yourself up in dark times oh, and go totally. again. So. Thanks for sharing your, your story and your journey. Um, where can people find your brands and, and you know, um, online and, and, you know, where can they find out more about yourself as well? Well, my Instagram handle is Effie Cats. And then we've got our business page, which is Effie Cats Official. And base brand is, everyone always gets the spelling wrong. So it's B-A-Y-S-E. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that so <laughs> succinctly because we, we um, when we... Like we we did a lot of stuff with Harley from South Street and yep. and Danielle as well and and I always see the the base the base on the on the corner yeah <laughs> always see it um, no but again thank you for your time I really appreciate it um, and then again I I hope everyone enjoyed it because I, I know I did thank you um, for having me Donny thanks for putting this together my man thanks, and to Donnie. our audience thanks so much for the support um, we can't do this without you so really really appreciate it I hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll go. Yeah, we'll go.